galaxy far, far away. And a bookshelf straight out of the 90s. From Thrawn to Dantooine, and everything in between. This is Legends Look Back. Thanks for joining us. Uh, a fun gang. We're celebrating one year of Legends Look Back. Isn't that crazy, Freddy? That it was October 24th, so uh, what is that? This Saturday, a year ago, yeah. that we recorded our, our test episode, released our test episode. Yeah, Freddy, it feels like uh, a lot of things have changed since then, right? <laughs> a lot has changed in, in just the past few weeks, but I feel uh, it, it almost feels like we talked about Death Troopers not too long ago. Death Troopers. Well, we're going to be talking a little bit about Death Troopers next week on our Spookiest Moments in Legends episode, which I'm extremely excited about. Ho- hoping I can start on the audiobook of Death Troopers again tomorrow. Um, you know, the world has gone through a whole global pandemic. Freddie, you've been going through a move, and yet uh, steady by your side in your earbuds or airbuds. I mean, if you like golden retrievers, um, <laughs> you've got Legends Look Back right here with you. We're going to play a fun game as we get going. We're going to play Legends Look Back by the numbers, okay? Legends Look Back by the numbers. Uh, we've had, this one's easy. The first question's a softball. Freddie, how many episodes? Uh, well, we'll ask this one to our guest tonight. Tim, um, how many episodes of Legends Look Back do you think there's been? Uh, I would probably say low 20s, 23, 24. <laughs> okay, good answer. Uh, close. 27 is this episode. Uh, 28, unless um, unless we're going to go with um, our test episode, our episode zero. How many guests do you think we have had on our 27 episodes of Legends Look Back? Keeping in mind, Tim, that not every episode has had a guest. Right. Now, we've done some, just me and Freddie. Um, mm-hmm. We've, of course, had re- repeat guests as well. We've had uh, you now been on twice. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, jo- joining the ranks. <laughs> we've, uh, of course, had uh, Meg on quite a few. Eric's been on multiple episodes. Uh, Jake did a double. Patrick did a double. Anyway, so so how many episodes um, do you, how many guests total do you think we've had on Legends Look Back? Mm. I'd probably say, I'd say seven. Seven individual unique guests. Well, that's a good guess. All right, let's let everybody else in the chat uh, give their guesses as well. Meg says seven. Cheryl says eight. Freddy's back, looking beautiful. Uh, we've got that pumpkin being held by Boba Fett. All right, Freddy, guess guess your answer on this one. We've got some uh, a fun guessing game as we start off the episode. Uh, how many guests do you think we've had on Legends Look Back? Nobody's guessed it yet. Okay. Um, Tim said seven. Meg said seven. Cheryl said eight. I was gonna. Oh, say... you've already guessed in the chat. Yeah, I guessed in the chat. I, I was thinking ten. 10 we have had any other guesses going once going twice we have had 13 guests on legends look back 27 episodes wow uh, that's that's almost half the team at utini has been on the show which is pretty cool i'd say more than half of the real active team members and uh exciting promise always make promises over promise and under deliver that's the motto on legends look back <laughs> um uh, our promise of course is we've got some more Incredible guests slated for the coming weeks. Let's hope they haven't forgotten because they need to be doing their homework, their outside reading in order to prepare for this research intensive show. Okay, next on the list, how many books, Freddie, do you think we've covered on Legends Look Back? Not every episode um, has been a books roundtable. Not every. uh, I'm going to say around upper teens, 18. I'm going to say 18. Okay, any other guesses, Tim? I'd say 16 
Okay, Meg says 17. Any other guesses? You're all wrong again. All right. Um, <laughs> mm. the, dealer, the dealer's winning this hand. I'm feeling pretty good about it. <laughs> we have covered a staggering number. I would say, Freddie, we have talked about, and, and we've read these books. We've reread these suckers yep. to prepare for this show. We have read all of these books. 24 books in the last oh year. Oh, my goodness, Freddy, really? That we have reread Whoa. and covered on Legends Look Back. Oh, and what do man. I have to show for it? But this, this incredible collection. You know, it shocks me, man. And, and a podcast and a YouTube channel and a Twitch stream. Okay, well, we've got a lot to show for it. And an incredible network of fans and friends and um, our incredible Discord channel that's always uh, always piping with the, the naked palps jokes and the Star Wars Galaxy memes and uh, who knows what else. The noodle logo, which is not even in Legends. <laughs> Luke with his force noodles. Um, what else we got here? Well, let's wrap this up. How many logos, Tim, do you think Legends Look Back has had? This one I'm going to say three. Three logos. Three logos. Freddie? Oh, man. You know, I remember a lot from just the planning phase. So I, I, <laughs> no, I'm I not might, including our conceptual logos. I might overshoot this one. Um, just the ones that have gone to the public. I'm going to go with three. Yeah, it's exactly three logos. I, I planned on having them up to show... Uh, to the chat, but you can see the one right there at the top of your screen, unless you're listening on audio, in which case, surely you can find it somewhere. Join the <laughs> Discord channel. You'll see it there. All right. Uh, well, Tim takes the cake on this. He guessed it before you, and I do mean cake, because we have a literal cake. It's a small cake. All right, it looks even smaller on uh, on YouTube. If we're being honest, on, <laughs> on Twitch here, it looks bigger in my hand than it does on TV or your computers, wherever you're watching this, your phones. If it's on your phone, it's an especially tiny cake. But I'll have you know, I smelled up my entire house trying to make this sucker. Because um, Rebecca made me lasagna the other day for my birthday. There's some drippage. Got all smoky. Never cleaned out the oven. Went to make my cake tonight. Whole house smells like smoke. So my neighbors must think I'm hotboxing it up in here. Um, how many naked palps references before we light this sucker? Uh, how many naked palps references do you think we've made? Entirely too many. Although if you're entirely too probably, many, probably and not Tim enough. has the correct answer. <laughs> how about uh, how many Star Wars Galaxies references, Freddie? Every episode that I'm on. Every episode. I don't actually have counts on those. I would challenge one of our listeners, maybe Stephanie. I'd say Stephanie seems to be our biggest fan these days, leaving incredible feedback on our YouTube channel. I challenge one of our listeners. Just pointed with the lighter, so that was dangerous. Um, you know, uh, to, to count up our number of references there. And finally, the last question before we kick it off and light this candle. How many times do you think Corey has almost canceled Legends Look Back? <laughs> that's, the, that's the real question. Uh. <laughs> I'm not sure I know an actual answer. There have been three moments that I've gotten real nervous. <laughs> and uh, tonight's not going to be one of them because we are going to start this show. And before we do, uh, I challenge everybody at home to make uh, to, to go ahead and sing your best Ralra rendition of uh, Happy Birthday to us as Freddy is about to blow out the Legends Look Back candle as we start the episode off. Uh, I do want to say a quick shout out. We, on a serious note, really happy to be doing this show. We wouldn't be doing it if we didn't enjoy it. We wouldn't be doing it if we didn't like you, our listeners, and our community. And um, especially excited to be able to to cover the Star Wars Legends market for Utini and to bring incredible content, hoping to always improve our quality. Realize it's not been flawless, but thank you everybody for hanging in there with us for this. Uh, Freddie, anything you got you want to say about celebrating one year of the show? It's been a it's been a wild ride, that's for sure. There's been so many just just my my daily schedule, right? It went from uh, just being a fan of Star Wars to you know 
starting off something with with Corey because he he was looking for people and just seeing everything from from the start and then seeing how Legends Look Back started and then uh, my introduction to Jared and and our and our relationship in this podcast and it's really grown and uh evolved and and we yeah i mean i was even making plans to come visit you freddie yeah yeah i definitely didn't do it (laughs) but one of these days one of these days we're gonna drink that blue milk together at galaxy's edge (laughs) out there in anaheim and it's gonna be legendary all right let's light this candle and start off the episode get a little farther away from my mic that felt dangerous see if i can get it in frame all right here we go freddie all the way from southern california is going to blow out the candle here for us uh for this episode of legends look back this is a cross continental cross country candle blowing out experience which i guarantee is the first time it has happened in all of covid don't you think tim and here we go Hey, perfect! We coordinated that ahead of time, and let's start the show. And I just burned my arm on that candle. Awesome! That was fun. Reached to uh, flip the switch, and uh, no hosts were harmed in the making of this episode, except for I was a little bit. (laughs) Hello, everybody, and welcome to this special birthday celebratory episode of Legends Look Back, a show brought to you by Utini.com, a show that's been described as a podcast you can listen to while wearing your Ken Griffey Jr. jersey while we talk about all things Star Wars Legends, celebrating our rich EU history as well as diving into lesser-known Star Wars classics. Don't know what I almost said there, but it definitely was almost not Star Wars. (laughs) I'm your host, Jared Mays, and today I'm joined once again by Freddie C. How's it going, Freddie? It's it's going well, man. It's our uh, one year anniversary. I think that's a pretty big milestone. So I'm excited to see what the next year brings. Uh, lasting longer than a lot of my relationships in life, if we're being honest. And boy, have there been many. Uh, the question that I have is, uh, should I now grab the scissors out of the drawer and just stop start popping these things uh, so that we can resume our normal... <laughs> Our normal episode of Legends Look Back, because my wife explicitly told me not to wake up the kids. Uh, so what do you think our chances are of that happening? Um, okay, they said Freddy's quieter again. I'll fix that. I uh, didn't want to blow out your eardrums, everybody, with our opener, which it is quite loud. Uh, but one of these days, we're going to have a producer. I wonder when that's going to be, working on that. Uh, also joined this week by a very special guest himself. Uh, excited to have him back for two episodes in a row. Um, did an admirable, excellent job last week, if uh, I do say so myself. I and and that. that is Taco Tim himself. How's it going, man? Good. He's no got tacos. the tacos. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out which one to bite into first. They're, oh, right there in the mic. Yeah, get that right up Ooh, in the in the mic for our audio listeners. Uh, if you're listening on audio, in case you couldn't hear that magnificent crunch, we'll see how long it takes him to eat it. Um, I'm good. My daughter asked me to save the birthday cake for her, so uh, she caught me red-handed. I cooked it after she went to bed. She came down because she needed a drink of water, and now I don't get to eat the freaking cake, so that's awesome. But Tim, you just enjoy those tacos over there, man. You just enjoy them. I don't get to eat cake, but you can just you can just eat those tacos. Um, <laughs> I'll say this much. Make sure you don't get caught with a mouthful of tacos when I ask you one of these thought-provoking legends questions. I promise. It's going to be amazing. Meg in the chat says, uh, taco ASMR. <laughs> don't know what that means, but uh, must be a meme. Um, 
It's, it's like a sound reference, right, Freddie? Yeah, you're, yeah, you're the it's sound, a sound guy. Reference. It's a, yeah. a stimulating uh, sound reference. Oh, amazing, amazing. Um, Tim, something that we didn't really get a chance to do last week that uh, I think now's a good chance for it. Um, Tim, can you tell everybody what you do for Utini in case uh, somebody is is big onto the, the, the YouTube channel or is big into Twitch, but uh, maybe they're not as much behind the scenes of what's happening on Patreon or in the Discord? Um, uh, how would folks know you from the goings-on at the company? Yeah, so I wear a couple of different hats, but the two primary ones, um, I am uh, the one of the co-hosts of the Conja Book Club. So every Saturday um, at 4 p.m. Eastern Time in Discord, um, Adam, Dyson, Patrick McIntosh, and myself um, go through and read a book a month. Um, and so, you know, people get to jump in and chat with us while we're talking through, you know, several chapters at a time. Um, we're doing Dark Disciple right now, and we're actually going to be doing Kenobi in November. Um, so there's still time yeah. to, to get a book and to, you know, go to the Utini site, make a purchase um, and read along with us. So that's the one thing. And then I'm also the Patreon manager. So um, any episode you get released in your Patreon feed, usually that's me putting it out there. I edit some of the episodes and try to drive a lot of our events and things like that. So. Those are the yeah. two main ways. Uh, I have to say, Tim, I'm, I'm a big fan of what you guys do for uh, the uh, Kanja Book Club because I, you know, I've tuned in a couple of times and I've read a lot of these books that you talk about, and just the pace that you guys go at is so perfect. And and you know, you can read along, prepare, think about it, uh, listen to the book club, and then just react in real time and Discord with each other. So I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's a really, really neat way to get to interact with the community and to experience that together. It's much more intentional. Um, and that, that was something that the community had wanted for a long time. And so I was very thankful that, um, you know, Corey and um, Jose and, you know, some of those guys were like, we should actually do this thing. Um, and Adam and Patrick yeah. are so much fun to do it with. I got to say, I'm a little bit backed up on my episodes of Conja Book Club, which the fun is doing it live with you guys <laughs> on Saturday afternoon so that you can actually, you know, have your, your questions read and answered during the show, which I've done a couple of times. But we've now got, I think, seven podcasts at Utini, if that number yeah. is right, which is a lot to keep up with, much less like the actual reading that we do for this show and then the brand new Star Wars releases. There's a lot of Star Wars content, everybody, but uh, Conja Book Club is definitely top notch. Um, you guys stepping on our legends toes there with Kenobi, but that's fine. That's fine. Hey, you we, never have too much Kenobi. You got to uh, give the people what they want. Book. Have you read it before, Tim? <laughs> I have not. This will be my first time. I tried to read it a couple months ago. And then when the community said, hey, we want to read Kenobi, I was like, I want to read it too. So let's do it together. So it'll awesome. be a really, really fun say, experience for me. I can't wait for you to read Kenobi. Kenobi reminds me of Eric. That's how cool Kenobi is as a book. Awesome. Are you just saying that because you just saw him join the chat and we want to say a, a massive happy birthday to uh, one of our amazing Legends Look Back guests. And he's so much more than that. But for the sake of this episode, he's an awesome Legends Look Back guest. Eric, happy birthday. These balloons are just for you, for nothing else but for you. <laughs> Definitely just for you. We even have a birthday cake here for you. Uh, I'll put it in the mail. It'll be at your house in Chicago in, uh, I don't know, like a week. It'll be great, I'm sure. <laughs> um, happy birthday to Eric. Glad to have you here with us alongside Freddie and Timothy uh, for our show, which is every Thursday night at uh, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. You can, of course, subscribe to the channel and show your support for the show with Twitch Prime. Grab those credits from Amazon. Help us conquer the galaxy. Uh, thank you to everybody who shows your support in that way. This week on Twitch, personally, I figured out how to do bits, which is fun. 
Um, so now I can participate in those fun bit wars whenever we do them on uh, Game Night or or The Living Force. I think it'd be weird if I put in bits on my own show. <laughs> Almost as nah. egregious as like celebrating a birthday for the first anniversary of my own podcast, right? Uh, but I'm nothing if not extra, as is Legends. Uh, of course, we've now got this new format that we are trying out on Legends Look Back where we are doing two-part roundtables. First episode's all about the characters, and the second episode's all about the overarching questions. Tonight is all about those overarching questions. But before we get into them, uh, Freddie, you want to tell everybody what we are hoping to accomplish soon with our listener feedback episode and how they can get in touch with us? Well, um, you know, I didn't read that part yet, so uh, let me get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, one of the things we've been hoping to do with uh, having this more interactive show with Twitch is to be able to involve you, our listeners, a little bit more than we can when we just do a static, Freddie and I record it silently, not silently, we're talking to each other, but without any of you, kind of a podcast, the old school way. Um, we want to involve our listeners as much as possible. We are planning a listener feedback episode. We've got a variety of different ways that you can make your questions and concerns, if you have concerns, hey, we've all got concerns, it's 2020, that you can get your thoughts heard on the show. Um, Freddie? You know, um, I was buying bits to uh, put on our show, so. <laughs> <laughs> Freddie was too busy buying bits. Well, you can, of course, uh, submit any kind of a, um, a textual answer. Um, you can uh, get, send us questions through the Discord channel. You can find me on Twitter. You can message me there. I'm at Jared Q. Mays. Freddie is at Wake Up Freddy. Um, you can send them to Tim. Hey, I'm sure Tim will send them to us too. That's fine. Of course. Uh, what's your What's your Twitter handle, Tim? At underscore T Guthrie. Yeah, you didn't get to say it yourself last week because of audio issues. Uh, so now that was your moment. Your moment in the sun. Your 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 spotlight. Um, oh yeah. You can, of course, send us messages uh, through the, the comment section on YouTube. You can leave us a message in the Legends Look Back Discord channel. But even bigger than all those things, we would love to actually hear your voices. So if you would like to get your question or comment on the show, uh, share it. It can be any kind of a Legends question, like, hey, this is a, a character I'd like to know more about. Do you know of any good Legends stories on this planet, on Naboo or on Hoth or... The Dagobah, you know, you can ask those kinds of questions. What's the ecosystem um, of Naboo? Uh, you can you can tell Perfect. us where we were wrong. You can correct us. We can debate something in a previous episode. We've got a year's worth of content at this point to tell us about all the places where we were right. And if you have to, all the places where we were wrong as well. Uh, so if you will, you can record just a little voice memo on your phone or your computer and email it to us at legendslookbackatutini.com. Or now you can leave us a voicemail. You can call and uh, leave us a voicemail at this number, 508-686-1158, because all the 1138s were taken. All right. Uh, so that number again, and we'll make sure we put it in the show notes, 508-686-1158. Please leave us a voicemail. Uh, we'll see how this goes. You know, um, you can send us a video file as well, because this is a video show, but let's just let's keep it simple for now. Text, audio, um, love to hear what you guys have to say. We'll get that going as soon as possible. And one final thing before we get into the questions tonight. Now, you want to tackle this one, Freddie? You ready for this, man? We're going to announce our, our huge news that we got uh, going on with Legends Look Back? Yeah, I do. So we've been hinting at a producer. You done with your bits, Freddie? You ready to focus on the show? <laughs> we, uh, I'm ready for this one. I was, yeah, sorry, guys. I was buying bits for our show, just proving, uh, proving something, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what I was doing. Anyway, but our huge news, uh, we've got a producer who's going to be join on, joining us, making sure our audio is on point. 
making sure we show up on time, etc. And uh, I just got to say, everyone, uh, Meg is joining us as our producer for Legends of Look Back. Without clap. blowing out the levels too much. A quiet golf clap. Round of applause. I said round of applause. That's, that's <laughs> kind of legendsy, right? Vornsker clause. All right. Yeah, uh, congratulations to Meg. So everybody put Fs in the chat for Meg's free time and her budget for, um, of course, having just built her own streaming PC so that she can help us out with the, the setup here. Fs in the chat for um, <laughs> for Meg, as she says in all caps, in perfect Meg fashion, No. Anyway, so you'll be hearing from her a little bit each week. Um, she'll be piping up with her nose whenever necessary, I'm sure. Anytime we reference uh, Slimy Naked Palps, that's fine. <laughs> and she can um, make herself known in that way. Couldn't be more excited. Uh, uh, the lover of legends that she is. And she's been binging a lot of legends lately. Just getting a message about uh, something in... Uh, what's the book she's reading right now? Uh, Rise of Darth Vader? Yeah. So that's a real Legends fan. Some Lucino. Uh, so congratulations to Meg. I know we said Fs, but don't we get some hearts or some some bits or some emojis? I don't know how to do Twitch. Uh, just say these words into the microphone. Uh, to celebrate Meg joining us on the show. Couldn't be more excited about that. We've been keeping it under wraps until uh, the perfect moment to announce it. And there's a bit. Yeah, I would throw one up if I knew how to do it while I was also hosting the show. Anyway, last week we talked about the uh, characters. Um, and Zahn does just an absolutely incredible job of... Um, Talking about you know introducing his own characters, he 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 introduces these original characters, and um, beyond that though he does an incredible job with the I can't even talk over all these bits and it's just you and me, Freddie. <laughs> just so distracting with the the <laughs> the little notifications that are coming up. Zahn does an incredible job at on the one hand introducing his original characters and on the other hand. Um, handling the legacy characters, and he's able to weave this incredible web that results in n not just good character development, but some some pretty amazing plots as well. This week we're going to be getting into those plot points and the overarching questions. Uh, so Tim, as we get kicked off here, I'm going to read a quote here. I don't know where it comes from in the book, because I listened on audiobook and read the graphic novel adaptation as well, so no idea what page number, just thumb through until you find it. Um, do you remember this quote, Tim, when Leia says... The New Republic is being held together with hope and crating tape. All right, so my first question is, what the heck is crating tape? <laughs> I have no idea. I'm thinking it's like it's like craft tape. I don't know. That's the first thing that came to my mind. <laughs> it's lousy. It doesn't actually stick. <laughs> so it's like bad duct tape? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only duct tape I actually own right now is actually a Star Wars duct tape. It's like space duct tape, which is a very... Very Star Wars fan thing to do. And, uh, so, and, Freddie, you know, you know um, how does this trilogy illustrate, this book in particular, just how fragile the New Republic is? Uh, you know, we're seeing how um, Admiral Akbar was arrested at the, at the end of book one. Uh, and now we've got Phalia doing a lot of plotting and scheming. And um, Han and Lando out on a mission to try to recruit... Um, Bell Iblis to join the New Republic, and then you know, he shares his horror story of his falling out with the Rebellion. Um, just, just how weak is the New Republic at this point in the timeline, and how does Zahn, how does Zahn illustrate that? Yeah, they're very weak. They're, they're, they're just getting out of a really long war that has taken a lot of resources, and they're starting to get the blowback of war. Right? I mean, there's people that are uh, still in the mindset of of war and battling, and then you've got politicians that are no longer focusing on just 
the rebellion. They're focusing on their political careers now, right? Trying to yeah. one up each other, and and you can see that with uh, Borskin and uh, and um, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, guys. I love that you're on a first name basis with him. Yeah, well, <laughs> you and Borsk <laughs> at the pub. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's just you can see the tension between all of them, right? And then um, and then you get to see a little bit of what the rebellion was before it was the rebellion. Uh, when we're talking with uh, Bel Iblis, right? So uh, it, you can just tell that that as as the the empire is gone, you can kind of see people are like, okay, now now what? What are we really doing next, right? And and it almost seems like they're trying to figure this out as they go, right? Which is Leia yeah. uh, gets with the Nogri and uh, is is being political and and diplomatic with them, and it, it's just kind of falling into place. It's not. It doesn't seem like they have a really direct plan yeah i think that's a good point um the plan during the original trilogy was this blow up the death star second plan get off a of hoth because darth vader just showed up with his AT-ATs. third plan blow up the other death star right i mean there's not a whole lot more going on than that <laughs> and uh in legends we're seeing a lot more um you know uh plot building world building taking place in terms of what the new republic is going to have to do to solidify their hold over this galaxy they just took over from the empire of the entire x-wing series you know the first uh, at least uh, four books there is dedicated toward the mopping up action uh, in terms of retaking coruscant and the wraith books are about um you know, uh, defeating Warlord Zinj. Uh, we've got these warlords who are still hanging on. So they're focused on war, and yet the governing is something you still have to navigate. That was a good point, uh, Freddie. What do you think, Tim? Yeah, very very much along the same lines. You know, the, the people are the problem, um, and if they weren't, then everything would be fine. Um, it's always hard, too, when you have a, a major The people that, and the Bothans, though, right? Yes, yes, the Bothans, too. Um, yeah, it's the problem because the Empire is the big bad, right? It's the thing they're supposed to be paying attention to. But they either they fail to see the little cracks that they have in their system, or they're just intentionally ignoring them. And if I've learned anything from playing squadrons a lot recently, it's that you have to pay attention to the little guys <laughs> in order to blow up the big thing. Um, it's those little cracks, the little chinks in the armor that end up leading to the ultimate destruction of yourself. And whenever you are, you don't have the main goal. Hmm. Um, kind of in line, it, you're going to get sucked and trapped from behind, and I think that's exactly what happens. You know, the thing that they're caring and the thing that they're caring about, um, they should reevaluate. And and they're still so young; they they haven't had these kinds of um, things to worry about. You know, because they were trying to make sure they were fed, um, they were trying to blow up the big guys. But being in charge, you haven't had those little nitpicks, and those are the things that are going to throw everything else off. So. It's yeah. He did, he a, did a great job of breaking that down. I think. Yeah, Tim taking us into the the deep end here with his analysis. <laughs> I, I like that. That's really good. Uh, here I am, just thinking about like my most recent Reddit rabbit hole. Whereas I saw this meme. Just love describing a meme. Isn't that fun when you try to tell somebody about a meme? <laughs> Only thing you could do with a meme is show it. Yeah, uh, but uh, I prefer as a preacher, you know, to just describe the meme as best I could. <laughs> Picture this, okay? It's that meme of the two arms, the the muscular where you can see like the the veins popping off the biceps, um, the two arms locked, the white arm and the black arm, and they're they're like hand in hand. I imagine it's from like Rocky Four, right? Um, 
with uh, with Apollo Creed and um and uh, who's the star of those movies? What's Sylvester Stallone? Stallone. Akbar. Akbar. No, I was going for Rocky. <laughs> it was a joke. Thanks everybody for getting my joke. Um, and then it says uh, the on the one hand, um, literally on the one hand in this instance, the the old EU, what we would call legends. On the other side, um, the new canon. And then right in the middle, right where they have locked hands, it says the New Republic being weak. <laughs> <laughs> because that really has been a, a common a commonality between legends and canon. Do you want to speak to that a bit, Freddie? Yeah, it's funny. How many canon books you've read? I imagine like probably a couple, right? Yeah, yeah. I've definitely read more than a couple. Um, it, <laughs> <laughs> I try to keep up, but it's really hard when we've got so many uh, legends to, to dig into still. But... You can tell the republic, the new republic is fledgling, right? They're, how exactly do you rule something you've never really ruled before? Uh, granted, all these people were probably in an imperial senate of some sort, but you know, it, it's one thing to be a part of it and one thing to create it. And uh, there's going to be a lot of struggle with with trying to figure that out. It's it's a uh, it's a learning curve for sure. And of course, some people are going to be good at it, and there's going to be others that are just tools in the in the you know just throwing what is it what do the people put in the sugar that's right sugar in the gas tank that's what i was looking for i thought for. it was about to be wrench throwing a wrench in the in wrench the in the gas tank <laughs> <laughs> freddie and i both definitely know how cars work <laughs> but yeah that's so that's that's what i see in both situations right and both of them come from uh just empathy for people and trying to make everybody happy which is not easy no it's not easy to make everybody happy tim are you able to keep everybody happy in the utini patreon <laughs> oh absolutely not <laughs> but we try so hard you absolutely. just gotta give we us care about your feedback and as a good politician we say we will take it to heart uh we will consider yeah. these things and take them to the jedi high council um no so tim uh, what do you think about this commonality between legends and canon why is it that this is a theme that has endured the the new republic kind of getting off to a rocky start um as opposed to what we kind of glorified as the you know the peak of the the old republic and the glory days yeah um and you know i don't i don't know much about the the downfall in legend specifically outside of of this particular trilogy but you know we just finished reading bloodline um several weeks okay. ago in the hey, timely Club. question yeah yeah perfect and the the interesting thing is leadership really matters, right? The reason that it fell apart mostly in the in the canon is because Mon Mothma was no longer at the top, which is really funny reading this that you know this is Garmbel Iblis's like biggest worry is that because Mon is trying to accumulate, he thinks all of this power. Um, but yeah. the leader, leadership really matters. You know, you need somebody that can unite and um, and not cause so much dissension. And that's where it, f it fell apart for canon because once your figurehead is gone, you know, all hell's going to break loose and you've got to figure out who that stable person is. Um, and so that's that's where it fell apart in canon, I think, mostly is on that leadership structure. And it's hard to trust. Yeah. There's some excellent legends drama surrounding the the figurehead of the New Republic, uh, whether it's Mon Mothma or uh, Leia is uh, the chief of state for the New Republic for a huge chunk of legends. I would say most of the 90s. I mean, obviously, I don't have a clue what year it would be in you know in the legends timeline, but <laughs> you know in in the the 
the Bantam era books. So um, the the bulk of the books that followed the Thrawn trilogy and even into, I, I think, in Vector Prime, beginning of the New Jedi Order, Leia's finally stepping out of office, kind of followed in Mon Mothma's footsteps there. But then, you know, the the governing of the New Republic is a major plot point, New Jedi Order and, and Legacy and beyond, because, um, you know, you made a good point a minute ago, I don't remember which of you it was, uh, that uh, it seems like they're they're caught up in trying to make everybody happy. And uh, one of the, my favorite things I've been taught in terms of like leading a church and ministry is that if you try to make everybody happy, uh, you never will. Uh, specifically, you won't make anybody happy. Yep. And um, you've got to lead instead from a sense of vision and purpose. And uh, that's one of the things that, that I think Leia always gets. She always realizes we can't please everybody. Um, she's leading, I, I think, from her own moral compass instead. And so uh, one of the things that is especially highlighted in this book is just how fragile the New Republic is, and that is highlighted with the relationship between um, Bell Iblis and the Rebellion, his hesitancy to join up with the New Rebellion, or what are we calling it now, the, the, the New Republic, these titles, man, you got the you got the re- the Republic and the Resistance and the oh goodness, it's been a long week. The old Republic, um, the New Republic. You know, if you're if you're Garm Bell Iblis, uh, what do you think he has to lose in terms of not joining up with with Han and um, you know taking the fight back to the Empire after all these years, Freddie? Uh, you know, it's just funny because I don't feel like he really had anything to lose. Um, Oh man, it, this is a tough one because he could have just ignored everything and you know, he loves the warrior mentality. That's that's his thing. So he can always be at war, right? There can always be someone that's uh uh I guess an enemy that he needs to defeat whether it's, you know, evil or Sith or whatever it is, he's always going to be doing that. So at yeah. the same time, I'm not really sure if he if he really did miss out on anything. I think he he gave up a lot because uh, he he chose a side for sure, right? I mean, he's he's always been on a side, but he was kind of in the background. Uh, you're probably scared of him because he was a warrior, unlike the New Republic. Uh, but uh, you know, I think he he had to do it. It was it's part of who he is as a person. He has to help out. Yeah, yeah, he's certainly principled. Um, Tim, did you ever feel like it was ever in question on whether or not Belivelus would actually join? A little bit. Um, I think the only thing that was really at stake was just his pride, right? And even at the end okay. of this book, he doesn't seem to... to. He's looking for Mon to give him the offer to come back, and it wasn't her that did it. And he's still yeah. kind of upset. So he's like, well, I'm already here, so I guess I'm going to help. Um, and that's unfortunate. Um, but, I mean, it, it makes sense. I, I can see why he would, but it's it's just selfishness. And he's Karelian, so of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, never tell me the odds, and she better get down on her knees and apologize, yeah. and then I'll join. Um, we've got this interesting contrast, and I love the way that, that Zahn kind of stumbled upon it, because Belibulus was not originally in his outline for the script. He you know, he mentions the behind-the-scenes material that he realized he didn't really know what to do with Han and Lando in the meat of the book, so he sent them out, out on this mission, create a character who would have been a part of the rebellion, and they needed to recruit him to his side, but then... Um, Belibulus ends up contrasting really well with Thrawn because Akbar's out of the picture. The only person who can be a good enough battle strategist to actually come in and save the day is somebody who is as good of a tactician as Belibulus, somebody who's not on Thrawn's radar, who he's got all figured out with his art collection and all that. Um, and so 
uh, how do we find um, Bell Iblis being, uh, uh, you know, as a plot device, a, a good foil for for Thrawn, Freddie? It's interesting because if you just based off of everything, right? They in order to make Borsk a uh, you know part of uh, the the story, really make him, I guess. Uh, a questionable character, right? You had to get, you had to make him do something pretty heinous, and that was getting rid of one of our favorite characters, which was Akbar. Okay, so there, yeah. there leaves a void, right? There's a void of of who's commanding the army and the military. It's not going to be Mon Mothma. She she has no interest in in commanding a military, and it's not going to be Borsk because he's just you know, Faelia is really into the 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 spying, the the manipulation, the intel gathering. He's not a leader either. So you need someone to stand in for that for that moment. And the person that's going to stand in for that moment has to be a counter to to uh, Thrawn because Thrawn's an absolute genius. And I don't know if anyone's really prepared for that. And and Bell Iblis, is, he, he's he's a military commander. He knows strategy. So uh, it just makes sense. He, he pairs up really well. Yeah, I like the way that you have put that. Um, you know, thinking about the fact that as as a plot device, the, the n- number one thing you could do to make us hate Phalia is uh, have him do something to one of our favorite characters, which is Akbar. Um, and then, uh, on the other hand, one of the best ways to ingratiate a brand new character to us is to have a legacy character that we love also idolize and love this character, which is what Han does with Bell Libelous, and it totally works. We love him because Han loves him. Uh, you want to speak to this, Tim? Yeah, um, I, I thought it was really interesting. You know, Zahn does a, a great job of introducing this this new character with a fully fledged background, um, and and it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like it was just stuck in there. Like it feels like it was planned from the beginning. Um, yeah. And so to have Han kind of have this idolization of him, you know, everybody knew who he was as a senator. To then building up the fact that he's been practicing in these little skirmishes and watching the the little imperial remnants. Um, you know, everything felt plausible for him to go in and take on this new role. Um, so I think he, he definitely handled that, uh, very well. I like the way that he's contrasted with, um, with Thrawn because Thrawn is really uh, calculated and, uh, Iblis is more impulsive, right? He's more ego driven, whereas Thrawn is, is not, you know, he can be offended and he's not going to murder you like Vader would. Um, he, he values, People, even even people who would dissent against him, and I will say that in the YouTube comment last week, Stephanie made a good point that um, that Mara wasn't the first one to force choke uh, Thrawn. That in Outbound Flight, which takes place earlier in the timeline, uh, Joris Sab- Sabiath actually um, <laughs> force chokes Thrawn through the Force across like a video screen across a zoom call um so that was a great a great plot point and so uh, thrawn isn't just gonna have you murdered for offending him and, and yet belliblis you know he's a Corellian, he's impulsive and so that makes for a really good foil it works really well in this book and another great foil in dark force rising is uh, the way that zahn is is showing us the difference between uh, who the jedi should be where the jedi are going as opposed to you know where they came from in the past and, um, and, and a great example of what a Jedi shouldn't be. Um, Tim, how do we find um, Zahn kind of giving us a commentary on what it means to be a Jedi as he's, he's posing these two images before us? 
uh, with both Luke and Sabiath. Yeah, I, th- I think he makes the point pretty well that it isn't enough for a Jedi to simply be powerful. Um, you know, not only does the absolute power that Sabaoth is looking for, like not only is that going to corrupt him, it's going to distract him and it's exhausting um, and it's going to leave him unable to do the things that he ultimately wants to achieve. Um, for Luke, you know, I think especially having these two instances of needing to display wisdom, you know, first in the, the little makeshift cantina, right? And then the second one um, there on the island, you know, it's it's really interesting that he has to display this wisdom in action. Um, and Zahn shows us from both points that Luke is trying to be patient um, and that patience is really what's going to win out there. Um, even if it's just a few seconds longer, you know, um, you really need to take every possible consideration. And Sabaoth ends up not being patient and he runs and, you know, prevents Thrawn at the end of the book from being able to participate in the battle when he wants to. Um, and so I think yeah. you see both of those, um, you know, from each perspective, I think power that power is not enough, um, to be a good Jedi and it's, it's dangerous. And I think that, mm. that Luke does that well. Yeah. We've, we've actually talked about that. Some on legends look back, um, the danger of the abuse of power we talked about it on the episode of, uh, Han Solo and, Par- and the paradise snare with, uh, Eric and, and Charlie, very different context for that. But I think you said, you know, the abuse of power um, is really highlighted by Sabaoth um, because Sabaoth really is consumed with having more people to rule. He just wants more and more power. Mm-hmm. And he tells Luke, like, why do you need to uh, try to search so hard for the most, uh, you know, political solution to these poor people's problems? You're powerful enough to just solve it, right? Um, F- Freddie, do you think that Tim is right on this? Yeah, I, th- I think he is right. And, you know... I feel that there's there's a lot more than what we're seeing here. I I feel like Timothy Zahn outlined what it what like he defined what a Jedi is by showing Luke questioning Sabiath, like, I don't I don't know, this doesn't feel right, right? Like he really showed this is a Jedi. This is kind of the gray line dark side, right? And then you've got the gray line light side, which, you know, you have Mara on, on that end, although she crosses she crosses in between, but you really get a definition of what a Sith is, what a what a Jedi is, and you kind of get an idea of what's in between. And I think yeah. what that what what's so genius about it is you just watching Sabayath and understanding and knowing Luke, you can tell that his cringe when he first meets him is going to be. Uh, you can feel it because you can sense it too. I mean, you're you're just like this is imagined. This is weird. <laughs> this guy's kind of nutty. Uh, Wait, Sabayoth makes you cringe? I don't know why. Uh, well, I mean, his his. You know what? We should add this in our count of things that we've talked on. But his chest, his bare, <laughs> muscly chest. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I still Look don't know why abs. that's such a thing. But um, I got the wrong book. Oh well. <laughs> but yeah, so that that's just what I think. It's it's a pretty interesting idea of how to define what it is without really having to define it. Right, you know, Cheryl makes a great point in the chat. She says, I never, I definitely never even viewed Sabaoth as a Jedi. I viewed him as a deranged force user masquerading as a Jedi. And that's a good point. Uh, Luke doesn't, at first, know that. Uh, Luke knows that there used to be a Jedi master named uh, Joris Sabaoth, and he's trying to piece together, you know, what, it, what his life was like on the outbound flight. And hey, Luke is nothing in Legends, if not real naive, right? <laughs> 
And so it takes him way longer in this book than it should to realize that this may not be the right guy. Um, <laughs> you know, hey, he looks like Sabayoth. His He smells like Sabayoth. What? <laughs> Probably smell like I feel like Andy Bernard here. He smells like what I think Pierce Brosnan would smell like, um, and so it takes him a lot to figure out that uh, he is actually not exactly the right person to be training him as a Jedi. Um, you know, on the one hand, Luke is contrasted with Sabayoth as um, good a, good example of what it means to be a Jedi, even though Luke isn't nearly as trained um, as a Jedi Master should be. Joris, of course, um, the original Sabayoth, um, the real Slim Shady. Uh, actually would have been. But then the other example of of Sabaoth being contrasted with a character in this book is Mara Jade. You mentioned this a moment ago, Freddie. Um, gray light, gray dark, um, being this, this equal and yet opposite edge case force users, right? Um, the number one plot point, I would say, personally, that's explored in post-Return of the Jedi Legends is Luke rebuilding the Jedi Order. Do you think that's fair, Freddie? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's fair. Um, uh, it's, I mean, obviously we're dealing with the new Jedi Order in the books called The New Jedi Order, but so much of that is Luke still trying to navigate. How does he pair up these apprentices with Jedi Masters who can train them, and uh, how, do they, how are they Jedi in times of war? And so in this book, you know, we haven't gotten to the Jedi Academy trilogy yet, but Luke is still contemplating how to build the Jedi Order. Uh, the very first scene with Luke in Heir to the Empire is where Obi-Wan says, not the last of the old Jedi, Luke, but the first of the new. And um, how'd you like that one, Freddie? That was perfect. That was good. <laughs> That's probably my best Obi-Wan I've ever done, for being honest. It was still only like 60%, you know, what it should be. <laughs> but um, I'll take the 60. I'll take the 60 in this instance. Um, but here we find Luke kind of reaching out to Sabayoth as a potential... Uh, person to train him to train jedi but then luke uh, mara then is is like his first potential student right now freddie how do we find um mara and sabayoth being um opposite edge cases of of where the the new jedi order might go well it's really interesting because in my head at least sabayoth is just a, a an absolutely crazy master right i mean he he he's a master of the force in some sense because he's he's pretty powerful the fact that he can influence luke right and that's and luke is you know he we can consider him a fully fledged jedi at this point jedi knight maybe not a master uh, but definitely a jedi knight so strong enough the fact that that uh Jeruus can can do that is you know you've got two potentially powerful people uh you've got mara on one side who is she's killing it in the strategy game right she's very smart very capable uh very sharp right she's on it all the time Sabayoth, maybe not so much he he i'm not really sure if he understands what his goal is <laughs> you know he has a goal yeah. but why you know it, it's uh you see the the two the two ways right imagine if if Sabayoth did win and they created some weird gray dark jedis right it, it's it's it would have gone the totally wrong way yeah, Sabayoth uh, kind of stands out as an example of of just how wrong this could go if he does influence Luke more than he should. Stephanie in the chat makes a great point, something I had overlooked, honestly. Um, she says that Sabayoth was working his way into Luke's head and beginning to control him. And so when Mara Jade showed up with her Salamari, she uh, immediately freed him from 
Sabayat's influence. And so, honestly, last week, spreading the show notes, I was getting real close to finishing the book. was kind of speeding through it there at the end. <laughs> so uh, I definitely overlooked that point. Excellent. Thanks for putting that in the, the comments. So we'll, we'll kind of let Luke off the hook a little bit, at least like 10% <laughs> off the hook um, in terms of his, his naivete. Because um, one of the things that does make Luke Luke, though, is that he is optimistic. He believes in the good in people. He believes in redemption. He believes in second chances. Mara, not so much. She's like, yeah, let's axe this dude, right? Uh, Tim, how do we find you know uh, Mara being a good contrast for Sabayoth? Yeah, I think you know Freddie kind of talked about it a little bit. Um, I would pretty much echo everything that he says because he's so smart. Um, <laughs> but I think. <laughs> I think we're just really being nice to each other on this episode, our celebratory yes. one year legends look back episode. Yes. No, I, I think, I think the thing about Mara is even though she's, um, even though she's uncertain of, of where her path is going to go next, I think she still tries to do the next right thing in front of her. Um, and whether that's for herself or for, you know, the greater plan, like even if it shifts, she knows she has full responsibility for what she's doing and she knows what she's doing. Um, Sabayoth just absolutely does not. I think he's just kind of like he zones out and kind of spaces out and he seems to forget where he is, you know, from time to time and he's <laughs> consistently exhausted and drained. Um, yeah. I would and, say his spaciness is the least prob- problematic thing about him. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Please tune out. <laughs> um, yeah. But no, I, I I think Freddie Freddie killed it. Um, that yeah, it's just I, I appreciate that that Mara is able to to know what she's doing. She she's responsible in that particular way. Even if she's wrong, she's she's knowing of that and responsible for it. Um, and I think that's a pretty stark difference from Sabaoth for sure. I, I like how in Legends, Luke and Mara rub off in each other in some key ways. Um, on the one hand, Luke teaches her to believe in people a little bit more, uh, to see the good in people, not always be, you know, jumping to just execute people, but also, um, Mara rubs off on him to help him, you know, be that voice of reason in his ear to say like, hey, you probably shouldn't just cut Kip Dura on this kind of slack all the time, right? Uh, Corrin Horn also tries to be a voice of reason in Luke's ear, but is never as successful as Mara. (laughs) I don't know why. Uh, who would you rather listen to? Uh, put your ones in the chat for Cornhorn or two for Mara Jade. Um, as we shift gears, though, a little bit, this this book really shows us three major... <laughs> Luke says... Uh, uh, Freddie says Mara Jade. Uh, you're right, definitely. Uh, Phasma says Cornhorn. Uh, uh, Meg, I just called you Phasma. She uh, is Phasma. Her names and it's okay. <laughs> handles. Yeah, I'm sure she hates that. Um, there's, there's several events in this book that really threaten to... to turn the tide of the war um these three major potential turning points that everybody's kind of chasing as MacGuffins in this book on the one hand uh you've got the katana fleet and that's the major MacGuffin of the book but then a little more subtly uh we're also needing uh bell iblis's loyalty could potentially turn the tide of the war in the new republic's favor and then uh, the nogri's loyalty they have been on the side of darth vader and now thrawn and um, this is a group of people that Leia has the chance to bring over onto their side. So, uh, Tim, which of them do you think is the most significant of uh, a, a piece on the chessboard, and why? 
I think Garm is his loyalty is probably the most important. Um, ships are cool, and as much as I love the Nogri, and and they're a great ace ace in the hole, you know, an ace card to play. I think the New Republic at large just needs something to believe in. Um, and with Akbar gone, I think bringing him into the fold will allow some of that unity to heal. Um, I think it'll also help Mon Mothma to to kind of if there if she's on a high horse, it'll help her get off of it a little bit. <laughs> um, and I think that that's just what they really need. You know, they need a they need a strong and decisive victory. Um, and to see it in someone who was loyal to return to the fold, I don't think there's anything more powerful than rekindling, you know, a lost friendship or something like that. So I, I think Garm is, is probably the biggest thing. Okay. Um, I'd probably put him down as, as the, the least significant out of the Interesting. three. Interesting. Uh, but we, we can have a little bit of disagreement. That's fine. <laughs> uh, because for me, it's like, hey, the New Republic, they're doing pretty well. Um, you know, obviously, they've got some internal strife to figure out, major obstacle in Thrawn to be able to defeat. Um, and and uh, the major reason why the Nogri end up being the biggest turning point in my opinion happens in the next book i won't spoil that yep. quite yet uh, most of you probably already know but just in case somebody doesn't we'll give you the chance you've got two weeks all right to read the last command and we're gonna spoil it we're gonna spoil it real good like this cake that's gonna show up in eric's mailbox uh freddie who do you think the katana fleet bell iblis or the nogri which is the most significant uh turning point piece i would put the katana fleet uh i i've always been a lover of vehicles and in Star Wars. So when I heard about the Katana fleet, I mean, the first thing I did was try to find what exactly it looked like, like uh, 200 dreadnoughts. What is this, man? This is, this has got to be amazing. And I remember having like 200 marbles and looking at it and be like, this is how many ships are just out there. <laughs> I love that Freddie was like, one katana, two katana, three katana. Wow, 200. That's a bunch of ships. Yeah. That's so a, that was a 10-year-old when you read this book. <laughs> so that was, no, it was yesterday. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but I was I was pretty fascinated to to just imagine that many ships missing and, you know, the the... I guess the the story was right behind the Katana fleet. Whoever found this fleet could essentially control the galaxy, and uh, you know who it, that race that race to find it is just it just gets you going and it gets you wanting to like who's gonna get it, man? Like one guy knows where it might be and who's gonna be the highest bidder, right? So, in my opinion, that was what was uh, really important to me, and I would say that the Nogri would be second and. That was, uh, I didn't have that during this book, but yeah, like you said, we'll we'll definitely that that number will rise. You'll see it. Yeah, we'll put it this way: Thrawn has his own personal Nogri bodyguard, so you know the only way to get close to Thrawn, which is not something the New Republic has has been able to muster at all, is right there. And, and so we'll just leave it at that for now. Um, so so uh, let us know everybody in the chat or in your uh, you know YouTube comments or in the Legends Look Back Discord channel which do you think is the most significant uh, plot point in this book the Katana Fleet Bell Iblis or the Nogri love to hear your opinion on this um you know thinking of the Nogri Leia really treats the Nogri with tremendous respect and patience and uh, honestly, uh, challenge everybody to Google the Nogri. There's a few different depictions you can find of the Nogri. One of my favorite Legends rabbit holes is just how many various forms they take. Uh, in Legends, Bothans as well. Bothans look wildly different uh, depending on where you look at them. 
uh, the, the depiction I've got fresh in my mind of the Nogri is from the graphic novel adaptation, which I just read recently, which you can get on Marvel Unlimited. Uh, of course, they just uh, changed their policies. You can get comics even sooner now, but why do you need the new stuff when you can have the old stuff? Am I right, Freddie? Yeah. Yeah, for <laughs> sure, man. Always about but, the uh, with With the, the, the Nogri in particular, they got these big sharp extruding teeth coming out from their their underbite jaws and uh, i mean leia's got to have a lot of patience to be able to you know hang out in their closet while thrawn is knocking on their their hut doors um you know leia really treats them with a tremendous amount of respect so much so that every time i read that part of the book i'm like oh man it's really kind of kind of wearing on me because uh, i know where it's going i know where it's going it's an incredible part of the book but um we just want to see them kind of get with it. Obviously, we know who the good guys are here, even though they're Vader worshiping, kind of a Vader cult, which is interesting. Uh, so, Tim, you know, how do you think Leia's treatment of the Nogri contrasts with with Vader's? I mean, obviously, they have their un- their their view, their their misconception of how Vader had treated them, how he was their savior. Um, but in reality, you know, how does Leia kind of redeem her her family name? Uh, as Lady Vader. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, you know, it's about the choice that that she gives them. I think with Vader, it was more of an expectation that the Nogri were going to serve. Um, okay. And, and she's like, I, I, I want you to, but I'm not going to force that. Like, that's a choice yeah. that y'all are going to have to make yourselves. And I think that's the biggest difference between the two. Wow, that's beautiful. Damn, it's so deep. My goodness. <laughs> we're jumping into the deep end here and... Uh, deep in here uh, put on your life jacket freddie or otherwise we're all gonna drown man um <laughs> good luck topping that one freddie oh hey i just saw the 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 Eugenie hoodie you got on there that's cool it's sick. some old school artwork I want one. it's what oh it's sick i want one <laughs> yeah it's awesome uh, well freddie what do you think how does how does leia contrast with uh, with vader and her treatment of the nogri you know it's funny because i i see it as as like a choose your own adventure kind of decision right you've got uh, one decision to make, which is help the Nogri. You have no other decision, but you have help the Nogri by exploiting them, which is the route that Vader goes by poisoning yeah. their soil and controlling basically their 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 world uh, so that they have to serve. And the other one is uh, help the Nogri by giving them a better life, right? Like doing, obviously, the, the dark versus the light side. That's exactly what it is. Uh, it's the same it's the same route different different outcomes right and uh well same outcome i guess but yeah so that's how i see it i see i see them coming at it at the same direction just one is coming at it with the the sith mentality and one is coming at it with the jedi mentality and it's yeah it's like in it's like in kotor if you choose the light side path it's definitely take you an extra you know 45 minutes <laughs> to complete the quest like it's <laughs> yeah. it's going to take longer for sure but, uh, you know, you can shortcut your way on the dark side. But if you want to stay and get those light side points and get that uh, that wisdom bonus at the end or whatever <laughs> you get, faster running powers or better force shields, uh, the You're... Sith have cooler powers, let's be honest. Uh, all the Jedi have is battle meditation. Um, and boy, is there a lot of it in Legends. But no, that's a good point. Um, she's taking the the choice. You know, she's, she, her goal is to, to liberate them not to oppress them, not to control them. Yeah. And that's her vision, that's her principle in terms of uh, the new republic that she's trying to establish and lead is about liberation rather than oppression. And was the empire was just keep everybody under our thumb, and that's how we achieve peace in the galaxy. 
um, you know, that's for me, it's, it's my, my number one driving principle is, is freedom. You know, my favorite verse in the Bible is all about uh, finding freedom. And, uh, so I always got to have the Bible reference guys. I mean, I couldn't do it. I wouldn't be much of a podcast host <laughs> if, uh, if I didn't have it. So, uh, I'll identify with Leia. Zahn does such an incredible job of writing, just knock down the, the lighter that I used to light the candle. So, uh, let's hope we don't light all my legends hardcovers on fire here. All right. We're good. We're good, no fires. Um, yeah, but doesn't Zahn do an incredible job at writing Leia? He does. He 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 makes her... Uh, I mean, we've read plenty of books already in Legends where they make Leia kind of boring in some, in some instances or yeah. uh, not quite strong, right? Like not a strong uh, character, period, like, like we know her to be. But Thrawn, or I'll say Thrawn, Zahn really does well at... I do at, that a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he really does good at, at... He does he does good. He does really well at, at um, writing the female characters, honestly, in my, in my opinion, Mara and Leia. He gives them two different attitudes, two different points of view, and he does it really well, and he makes them very strong. And that, I think it's fascinating, especially for this time. Yeah, what do you think, Tim? Yeah, the the same thing. He he really excels at capturing you know the two personas of Leia, right? Like she's she's holding twins um, and trying to keep them alive, but she's also willing to go to this foreign world and try to rescue this species and and be as strong as she is and, and fight through that. But you still see those those motherly moments. Um, I, I very felt you know she was very much Empire Leia to me, right? Like Empire Strikes Back Leia. Um, is kind of the way that I I best could view that when reading the book. I guess that was that why was is kind of why the is that? Persona. I mean, she's she's basically Return of the Jedi Leia. She's yeah. she's basically just on the the Ewok homeworld, except for this time they've got sharper teeth, right? This is fair. That's a fair point. You 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 got me in a box. <laughs> Pockets just full of granola bars. Uh, man, yeah. I've always wanted Princess Leia to feed me a granola bar on a log in the redwoods. Don't you? Anyway, uh, enough about my fantasies. Uh, a couple of final questions. We get ready to wrap up the episode here. You know, uh, we've talked about uh, the Nogri. We've talked about uh, Belibus and the Katana Fleet and Mara and Sabayoth. Um, but, uh, you know, with the Katana Fleet being this major MacGuffin of the book, um, you know, you've got Thrawn chasing it and uh, the New Republic chasing it. Uh, you've got uh, uh, ship thieves chasing it. And Belibus is brought into the picture and Card knows where it's at. All these different players trying to get their hands on the Dark Force. Um, here, here's a big question. What is the real Dark Force of this book? It's a double entendre, isn't it? You ever thought about this, Freddy? Yeah. That, uh, what What is the Dark Force rising? One of my favorite things is to figure out why it was titled that. And in this book, I've been thinking about it. And, of course, you've got one side, which is uh, Druus, right? He's, he's getting closer to to the skywalkers right and that's what that's what star wars is really focused on is the skywalker legacy uh so much so that they had to make sure that there were kids to continue that legacy but you know the closer the closer you get to that uh to luke and leia the the stronger you get right uh, at least that's how i think of it uh and sabayoth right now in my opinion is the risk and then you have thron who is really capable and very smart and he he is in control and he's doing it really well and effectively. And you start, you're starting to see in this book, all of the possibilities, right? You've got the Katana fleet, you've got the Nogri loyalty, the, uh, you've got Belga, uh, Bel Ivelis 
as a contestant in that all of that and you're starting to see everything kind of get too dangerous again right like they're they're not they're not yet in control of the galaxy and you can tell okay okay so uh on the one hand uh, the dark force is literally called you know the katana fleet is called the dark force but it's a double entendre yeah. tim you got an opinion on this what is the dark force that's rising yeah it almost with the the title of the book almost kind of sucked the wind out of me whenever I realized that they were talking about a fleet of ships, right? I was yeah, expecting right. like like this massive Sith Empire. It's not know, called some... the Dark Side Rising. <laughs> right, right. So, and that was something that, you know, being a, a, a rookie to Legends, I guess, it kind of threw me off a bit. But Classic, uh, classic Legends rookie move. Yeah. <laughs> the Dark Force title, gotcha. Foiled again. I love that. <laughs> but no, I, I echo everything, everything Freddie said again. You know, I think it's, um, the, for me, I, I think when I read it, it's, it, to me, it's Thrawn, definitely, um, coming up out of nowhere, you know, and, and getting to watch the, from the New Republic perspective, getting to piece together who he is, um, at different points of the book, you like, oh, he has blue skin and red eyes. And then, oh, he has a name and, oh, he's a grand admiral and he was wearing a white suit, you know, like those kinds of things, you know, he's definitely the one that's rising in their eyes and in their mind. Um, and he's the ultimate threat, I think, in this is what I got. You don't think it's the dark side? It's like uh, Savayoth, you know, trying to to get Luke to, uh, you know, hand him over the Jedi twins. <laughs> yeah, I I see it. I see it. I do. But I, I love I love the double entendre. Yeah, it's it's so good. Star it's Wars is so triple good. Entendre. The, yeah, the, it's up. It's kind of open ended. Yeah, I like that a lot. We've got a fun debate going on in the chat about uh, what exactly did Leia feed the Ewoks. So we'll make sure we put that one in uh, the listener feedback episode. We'll put we'll pick picks up on the screen. We'll put up the despecialized. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we'll see what we can do in order to uh, to, to find out who's right on that. Uh, see if we can get George Lucas on the show to tell <laughs> us uh, um, if it was if it was a rice cake or a granola bar. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but uh, you know we, we've talked about uh, the the dark force in particular, though. Um, I, I've always wondered. You know, obviously, the the story of the Katana fleet is explained. The, there's this legend that surrounds them. And I love that there's a legend within Legends. Mm. Isn't that especially fun? That's great. It wasn't even called Legends back then. Um, but obviously, the fact that it was it was uh, there was slave circuitry that you would be able to control all of the ships from one computer. You could jump them all to hyperspace uh, in the same way, so forth and so on. Um, but the fact of the matter is somebody took the blame for that, right? Uh, it was somebody's fault. Uh, Freddie, do you think that the person who was responsible for losing the Katana fleet ended up, you know, kind of as like a space clown exiled to like taking care of like doing street tricks for children like Jar Jar in, uh, in aftermath? <laughs> what do you think is the story of the guy? What do you think his life was like or her life? Who knows? Um, after uh, losing the Katana fleet. Well, uh, I'm picturing it as as this moment of, uh, you know, like they're they're taking they've got their data pad, they're taking a uh, a selfie with their data pad, and they're leaning on on a console, and they just happen to trip the unit, and boom, they all take off. That's that's probably what happened. <laughs> Somebody probably spilled their their cup of espcaf, which is legends for espresso. Yeah. I told my wife that last week. We were talking about uh, food in Star Wars. There's tapetos. Instead of potatoes, that's my favorite. But also espcaf instead of yeah. Somebody spilled their. Somebody was taking a selfie. That's a good answer. What do you think, Tim? Okay, so while I don't know a lot about them, I think Tag and Bink were definitely involved. 
And this is, this is what happened, right? So once, once they do whatever they did to make it happen, I think they realize that they're going to be in trouble. So I think they take an escape pod off the Katana fleet, right? And then I think they, they assume new identities. And I think they become a comedy duo, much in the vein of like Flight of the Concords or something. And I think they call themselves the Dreadnoughts. As in like, don't <laughs> oh worry guys, we got it. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening to this episode of Legends Look Back. We're done now. Oh my god! This is what happens when you don't read legends. Oh, that was good. <laughs> as soon as, as soon as Wes joins, we're uh, uh, Tim just made the ultimate dad joke in order to uh, get us to to log off early here. Um, I blew Cheryl's yeah, mind yeah. with the the Jar Jar quote there. Oh, he's he's armed with tacos though, so at least he's gonna he's gonna have a midnight snack when the show's over. Um, <laughs> we're gonna make a gift out of that for sure. Um, it, it, it's absolutely blowing. Uh, somebody's mind uh, is blowing Cheryl's mind that the Jar Jar is a street performer. It's it's like two pages, three pages in the book. It's not central to the plot. That's why I say it's not a spoiler. Not at all central to the plot. But uh, I think that the person who who lost the Katana fleet was definitely definitely not going to do so well in their next job performance, right? Um, a related question as we wrap up. Uh, obviously, everybody's trying to get their hands on the Katana fleet. Everybody wants to have the shiny. 200-year-old toy uh, that's been lost in space for forever. Um, Freddie, what would you do if you found the Katana fleet? Uh, I don't mean like if you were in a race against Thrawn, and clearly the person that's going to get it is going to use them in war, but I mean like somebody like Card, right, who who accidentally stumbles upon them out in the wilds of space, right? Uh, what would you do if you found 200 ships in the middle of nowhere? Uh, Well... I would be curious and probably try to see like what's what's on each each one, or at least a good amount. I mean, two hundred is a lot. Uh, if you've seen how many marbles that is, it's a lot of marbles. But uh, I would <laughs> then I would have a Freddy C uh, extravaganza where I will have air shows on every planet, uh, forced air shows. Everyone has to watch it, uh, and. Yeah, man. I, <laughs> I don't know what you would do with 200 ships, to be honest. It, it's I No, mean, it's, a, it's a terrible question. Your yeah. turn, Tim. What would you do? Yeah, uh, I think the easiest thing is the Katana Cruise Line. You know, I think known for <laughs> its go. exquisite food, awesome dance parties, super cheap tickets, you know, because you don't need much of a crew. Um, like, who needs star tours? Like, that's so 1987. Like, I think the Katana Cruise Line is where it's at. Oh, that's a good. That's a great answer. Oh, um, that's good, dude. You know, Woof. you could... Uh, Definitely not in a pandemic, though. Not a great time no. to go on a cruise right now. No, no, no. Not at all. <laughs> no pandemics allowed. Um, I'll say this much. It would definitely be fun to show up at a thrift store. It's like, hey, I got some stuff out in the parking lot. I'd like for you to take a look at. Hoping to, hoping to trade it in for a nice new snowboard back there. <laughs> 200 dreadnoughts. It's like, hey, man, we're, I'm not going to ask any questions because we're a thrift store. But uh, where'd you get these things? Or a pawn shop? Um, <laughs> one of my best friends growing up owns his own pawn shop in Oklahoma and he's like, you know, try to be responsible about where stuff comes from, but, uh, we also don't ask all the questions, <laughs> uh, which would definitely be a fun thing to do with this. So let us know in the chat, let us know in the comments, what would you do with your very own Katana fleet? And as you do, as we prep for next episode, we want to go ahead and give you the heads up that next week, bust out your flashlights, your Dracula teeth, your spider webs, and your Galaxy of Fear books for a special Halloween episode. We're going to talk about the scariest moments in Legends. 
so not just um, limited to the the horror legends books, though we will uh, touch on those, but also the scariest uh, characters, scariest um, potential almost character deaths, uh, that sort of thing. It's going to be a ton of fun. Um, the the spookiest, most evil villains, and uh, all that kind of stuff. Now, guys, before we close out the episode. Uh, as you can tell by the balloons behind me, if you're watching on uh, Twitch or on YouTube, obviously, if you're, you know, listening on audio, we are celebrating out, you, you can't hear this if you're listening on, you can't see the balloons if you're listening on audio, we are celebrating our one-year anniversary of Legends Look Back, uh, so absolutely thrilled to have been doing this show for the last year, thanks to everybody who's taken the ride with us, a couple of lightning round uh, last episodes, what have been, uh, Freddie, I'm going to ask you in a second, so here's your heads up. Um, what have been your favorite moments in uh, our making of Legends Look Back? Uh, it could be favorite book that we've read, uh, funniest moment that you remember. Um, you know, what's been one of your, your, your highlights in, in making the show as we're celebrating um, our, our birthday here? And thanks, Meg, for those bits, 100 bits. Awesome. Celebratory bits, I'm sure. Yeah. I, you know, it, it's it's a lot of things, but I feel like, getting to hang out with other Utini members uh, and and getting to talk to people about Legends is really what what I I love about what we're doing because we get to talk to people like you, Tim, Taco Tim. Uh, you know, we get to talk with Charlie and, and Eric and... Uh, yeah, man, that was a ton of fun. Yeah, and we get we get into these deep dives with, with different points of views. And it's, you know, I wish it was a single moment, but every single time we, we, we have someone on the show or it's even just you and me, Jared, it, just hearing people talk about something yeah. that I love and, and the books that I've read plenty of times with a different outlook. And, uh, I feel like that's what I've, I've, that's why I do this. That's why I like doing this. And I, I spend a lot of time reading these books and preparing for some, for these shows because it, it's worth it in my opinion. And I, I hope we keep doing it. Yeah, man, I, that's such a great, thoughtful, heartwarming answer. My answer was just going to be, I'm just here for the naked palps. You know, I just love getting to pull off my copy of Dark Empire off the shelf and just look at that amazing artwork when he climbs out of the cloning tank all covered in cloning goo, just slithering around the the deck of his Star Destroyer or whatever it is. Um, you know, Tim, obviously, uh, your, this is your second episode on the show, but anything you want to say in celebration? Yeah, I mean, very much the, you know, I would not have gotten into Legends, honestly, without you guys. So I appreciate oh, cool. that. Um, and the first the first books that I read, I read this trilogy first. And then the first single book, not part of a line or anything, was Trusa Bakura. Um, oh, nice. So, yeah, so both of you, I have, have to You ever heard thank. of that one, Freddie? <laughs> both of you, I have to thank for that. Um, and y'all, y'all have been killing it and I've loved to see the, the growth of the show, um, and keep something alive that, you know, many people, you know, may have thrown aside. Um, so that's really cool. Y'all are, y'all are still doing this. Yeah. And don't you talk about throwing legends aside? I would never. just throw those right never. over here onto my shelves. I would never. I would never. Think about throwing them aside. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. I uh, love uh, hearing your, your your heartwarming stories. Let us know in the Legends Look Back Discord channel what's been your favorite episode, what's been uh, your favorite uh, funny moment, um, what's been 
um, you know, your favorite book that you've read alongside us. Uh, and I will give a few superlatives here, a few shout outs to some of our incredible team members and guests on the show. Of course, want to thank our producer, Meg, who's joining us very soon, helping us run the live stream and uh, straighten out the mess that we've got with this show. Uh, also want to give a huge shout out to Trevor, who has uh, always been quick in the, the Slack to to uh, help us out with some behind-the-scenes trivia for the episodes and has joined us on uh, the Darth Plagueis episode as well as the uh, one of our highest-rated and reviewed episodes, the, the That's No Moon, uh, Death Star Plans Spectacular, which was a ton of fun. Thanks to Trevor across the pond. If it weren't for the time difference, Tr- Trevor would definitely be a regular on the show, but it's the middle of the night over there across the pond. Now, I want to give a huge shout-out to our designer, Joxie. Uh, who has developed our logo and made it into what it is, and all of it's saved by the bell, uh, kind of Ren and Stimpy, Rocco's Modern Life glory that it is. Absolutely love what he's done with that, as well as designing our It's So Artfully Done shirt, um, continually making our gifts and our thumbnails, all that good stuff. want to say thank you to Nathan, our video producer, who takes the videos each week and cleans up the mess that I throw over to him in the Google Drive. It's always like, good luck, man. See you later. And then I just shut down Slack for the rest of the day. So never have thanked him on the show. I want to say thank you to him. Thank you to our, how many did I say? Uh, 13 guests? 17 guests? How many was that at the beginning of the episode, Freddie? Uh, I I don't remember any anymore. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've already yes. forgotten. Uh, it's okay if you have to. Um, it was somewhere around here and is now gone. And, uh, well, if that's not Legends Look Back, I don't know what is. Thank you, everybody, who has joined us. As Once again, we are uh, hoping to do a listener feedback show. If you would like to uh, join us, uh, get your comments read on the air, you can, of course, leave a message, leave some feedback, leave a question, leave a comment, leave a gripe or a complaint, whatever the case may be in our Legends Look Back Discord channel. You can uh, send them to us on Twitter. You can email us, legendslookback at utini.com, or uh, send us an audio file or even a voicemail at 508-686-1158. Looking forward to that. Um, send us, if you have to, a fuzzy, a fuzzy crackling hologram like your planet's being invaded by battle droids. Whatever it takes, we'd like to hear from you. Right, Freddie? Yeah, absolutely. We want to We want to put you on the show. Yeah, so thanks everybody for joining us. Uh, That does it for this episode of Legends Look Back. Um, You can get in touch with us in the Legends Look Back Discord channel. You can, of course, if you're watching us on Twitch, subscribe. If you are an Amazon Prime member, you get one free Twitch Prime gaming subscription a month, and we'd be honored if you threw that our way. Uh, If you've got feedback for us, even beyond what we would like to do on the uh, listener feedback show, you can, of course, as we said, email us, um, send the comments in the Discord. You can contact me directly on Twitter. I'm at Jared Q. Mays. Freddie is... At Wake Up Freddie. And uh, Timothy. Yeah, I'm at underscore T. Guthrie. If you're looking to buy some of these books and want to help support the show, look up a book on Utini. Click the Amazon link in the profile. We'll get a few credits to help keep the lights on. Another way to show your love of Utini is by grabbing some swag from Teespring, including, as was previously mentioned, the Legends Look Back t-shirt or the It Was So Artfully Done tank. And with our next roundtable, you'll finally know where that quote comes from, which is extremely, extremely satisfying, if I do say so myself. If you've read any of these books, please head over to Utini.com and leave us a review. Let us know what you think. We want to know. 
Now, do you give this one a perfect uh, 10, like Freddy, or a 9.8, like I do? All right? Uh, even if it's below that, just keep it to yourself. We don't want to know. No, that's not true. Please leave us a review. Let us know what you think. And remember, everybody, it's been a crazy year. So please be a force for positivity in the fandom and keep that glorious Utini fan code. May the force be with you. Good night, y'all. This is a Utini Broadcast.